0: At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own.
1: Read my lips. Government no. is and not the solution be to become our become problem at all. Celebrate well, good morning, I can't in America. Well, Big us the translation. Yes, no. we can. Uh, government is, is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal.
0: My name's Tim. I'm a conservative.
1: Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Check out our website at libcon.podbean.com or in the iTunes Store the Google Play Store. or on Stitcher. You can find Tim on Twitter at LibConTim and find me at LibConMatt. Buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the uh, Republican convention E fun in Cleveland. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Hillary Clinton's new vice president. And then we're going to take a look at both uh, party platforms, uh, the one that was just approved by the Republicans and, of course, the one that will be approved in the Democratic Commission in Philadelphia in the upcoming week. Uh, Tim had scratchy nastiness last week, and this week I don't feel terribly well, so if I sound scratchy, that's why. Uh, Tim, however, sounds seems to be in fine form, are you not? I am, I'm chipper, ready to go. Outstanding. Uh well, we're uh we're going to we're going to we're we're going to jump right in and and talk about the the shenanigans in Cleveland. The Republicans went went to went to Cleveland and uh, I, I I don't know if they hung out with LeBron, but I heard Kid Rock was there. Um and Scott Bayo. Let's not forget that Charles was back in charge on primetime for just a very short amount of time where he wanted to make America America again. Uh, it was all Trump all the time, all week. I really eventually had to stop watching CNN. I was so bored with it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just, you know what, let's just all overall, how much of the convention did you watch? Did you watch any of it? What'd you think? Well, I, I watched,
0: I watched some of the big speeches. I mean, I didn't have time to sit glued to my television watching every moment. And, and I'll admit uh, the, the, the tone of the primaries in the Republican, Party turned me off a little bit from desiring to listen to a lot of these people, whether it was Chris Christie, Ted Cruz, or Rudy Giuliani. I, I don't hold to the idea that America is, is going downhill, that, America, that life is bad for us right now. I, I don't hold to that idea, and so there's only so much I can listen to the negativity that, that constantly keeps coming out of our party. You know, I can, I can listen to Paul Ryan. There's a, there's an optimism there. There's the, you know, the better way and the ideas that he's putting forth. Um, but, but the negativity I'm just, I'm just not up for.
1: Yeah. Well, it wasn't just the negativity. It was that the, this, this just felt like, You know, a lot of times what I expect out of conventions and I think what you'll see out of the Democrats and what I've seen out of Republican conventions in the past is that you have, you know, like and they did this. They every each thing has a, you know, each each day or night or whatever has a theme. And then there's things on the agenda that they have to accomplish. And, uh, you know, the the speakers are sort of geared towards what's going on. Whereas in this case, this just really felt like all Trump all the time. And I didn't really feel like you had any one speaker who came up and talked about this issue or that issue or, uh, you know, new focuses or new faces or any of that stuff. This just really felt like you were either going to get a speaker who did one of two things. They were going to talk about how awful Hillary Clinton was, which was actually more prevalent than the second topic, which was how great is Donald Trump and humanizing Trump and trying to make him into this sort of savior esque, you know, great leader sort of person that they want us to see him as. Uh, right down to the imagery on that last night, which in in some cases, some of the images is, so I was just straight out of nineteen eighty four with the big Trump in the big letters and and you know, little Donald at the at at the podium and then big Donald behind him on the screen and 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 it just it was all very sort of unnerving. Uh, and then the tone, uh, combine that with the tone of that speech the last night with the, the, you know, the, just, the, 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 just everything sucks, dude. You know, you watch that and you think, dude, we're just, we're, and I know I'm not supposed to curse like this, but I, you watch that and you think, dude, we're just fucked, just fucked totally. And right down to the thing at the end where he said, everything is awful and I alone can fix it. You know, it, we gather here in praise of me. I don't know. It it just, it felt more like a third party event than it did a Republican convention. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think
0: that's, um, I think that's a fair in general, a fair statement. I mean, there were, you know, I mean, I mean, and that's the problem though, is that you, when you look at the people who put forth ideas in their speeches, when you look at, you look at, you know, what Ted Cruz said and you look at, Uh, The things that Paul Ryan said when they started trying to really put forth ideas and and policies and thoughts so often those were going in contradiction with some of the ideas and thoughts that Trump has put out there. And so you you get this ideological gulf uh, that's just very confusing. And and that confusion continues uh, on when you look at the plat on the Republican Party platform. Uh, Some of the things that they talk about in there, you're like, well, but that's not that's not what Trump seems to be for. So it it can get very confusing. Now, that said, I am very interested in hearing some of your thoughts as a Democrat on the ideas that Donald Trump puts out there. Right. So looking past because obviously I'm not particularly pro, pro Trump, but I. I am going to be making a constant, a conscious effort in future shows to tone back some of my rhetoric, just because you know we're 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 supposed to be that shining the shining beacon of of calm discussion, and I there's so much negativity coming out of Hillary Clinton, and there's so much negativity coming out of Donald Trump. I, I don't want to play into that. Um, so let's let's look at a couple of things here. One, the the whole America First bit right? So he want, let's look one from a military standpoint first, he wants to get away from this idea of nation building. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, I, I I think that that's been, uh, it's a fair question, right? Because that has been generally a, a policy that, that has been in place really since I don't know. What do you think? Eisenhower? Where did that start? I think Eisenhower's a You think Eisenhower's kind of where that start. started? You know, mm-hmm. and then it really took root, you know, in the late 60s, you know, with, with, uh, with Vietnam and then Reagan into some of the more covert sort of things. You know, really the first effort at it, ironically enough, was Iran, right? You know, with knocking out the Shah. Uh, you know, um, well, I wouldn't say
0: that was our first effort, and I think that was one time where you can point to it and go, "Well, that didn't work." Um, well, I, I, in the I modern, in the modern first.
1: sense of things, knocking out someone that we perceived as a dictator and tried to install our own person. You know what I mean? In 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 sort of this modern way of doing it, and and, and that was done, and again, done very covertly.
0: Well, um, wait, the shawl was our guy.
1: No, I thought are you sure? I thought the Shaw was the guy that got elected and they and that we that we kicked out. I thought uh I don't I don't know. I don't, remember. I don't know. I'd have to you know I've read a book about it oddly yeah, enough. Yeah, I could really, be wrong. I thought really good, I thought the Shaw
0: was our guy and he was one we were backing and then they had their revolution and
1: yeah, there, there was a the guy that got elected that everybody liked and maybe that Yeah, that's okay, that's right and I cannot remember that guy's name. Shoot. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the book is called all that that I read is called All the Shaw's Men and it's fantastic. If you haven't read it, it's really, really good. Um, but anyway, yeah. So this idea of nation building, I mean, I, to me that getting away from that is fine. Okay. And I think that that's actually something that's a, it's a very democratic idea, right? You know, the idea that we get away from some of these, um, uh, you know, this involvement in trying to push democracy in such a forceful way on other Mm -hmm. societies. You know, it's a, um, it's, it's a very liberal thing to say, which is Mm -hmm. why it's confusing to hear it coming out of Trump. But it's, it's, it's the way that he ties it into it's the way that he goes, he goes almost too far with it because there's nation building and then there's working together. And I think that these are two very separate things. And I think that that is a line that president Obama has actually walked very well. Um, and I think it's one that Secretary Clinton would continue to walk very well because she's, I, I think, better good at that sort of thing. And it's one that uh, better good, good, whatever. I don't know. Wrong, whatever. <laughs> Trump, on the other hand, wants us to wants to get away from this nation building idea. But he also wants to, you know, he, he's put out there that he doesn't want to work with NATO anymore. We're not well, necessarily going to. Well, let, know, we're let, not necessarily uh, going to support NATO. We're not necessarily going to continue to support. You know, Japan's going to have to pay us. South Korea is going to have to pay us. Maybe Japan should have nuclear weapons again. You know, all of these things that he's put out there that go part and parcel with getting us out of quote the nation building business. We've been out of the nation building business. You know, really, you know, or at least backing off for the eight years that Obama has been in office.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but we have continued to work with all of these other nations that we've been working with for the last 70 years,
0: which, you know, McCain would say is what got us ISIS because of the way that Obama pulled us out of Iraq because they asked, right? Cause they said we're done uh, because we did that and we pulled out. That's what led to the power golf, which led to
1: ISIS. But if McCain wants to play that game, which McCain loves to play that game, McCain is, you know, he he, he he wants to pin anything that he can pin on Obama because he hates the guy because he got beat because he's a sore loser and a grouchy old bastard. And wow, the fact that he is he is a grouchy old son of a bitch who needs to retire. I'm tired of listening wow. to him. If you want to go back, if you want to play the let's go back and play the blame game thing, then you go back and blame yourself for pushing for the Iraq war in the first place. Because without George Bush, without John McCain's McCain's help in getting the Senate to agree to finance and push the Iraq war, and we don't Clinton's have help. ISIS. Hillary Clinton was involved, yes. But Hillary Clinton is not running around blaming all these other people for ISIS. Okay, John McCain is the one that is trying to pin ISIS entirely on Obama. And if you want to do that, fine. But you have to take responsibility in your own way as well. Well, now, in supporting McCain,
0: yes, all right, he was for the Iraq War, which we've all, in retrospect, seen, okay, this was bad. But when everyone else was saying, we got to back out, we got back out, he was saying, no, we have to do a surge. We have to have more troops. And he got Bush to do it. And that helped, the surge worked. That was a big thing. The surge worked the and surge it surge is
1: working, yes, I know.
0: It, and it did. And then Obama pulled us out and boom. So you can see where McCain has every right to say a little bit of, look, this is what I pushed, this is what I wanted, and this is what happened when we didn't do it. We got ISIS.
1: We went in there in the first place and we got ISIS. We went well, in there in uh, the first place under false pretenses. We didn't uh, say <coughs> under the same... Nation building bullshit that we've been listening to for the last 70 years. And, 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 and that ultimately got us ISIS. That's the deal. If you want to play this game going all the way back, then we're going to go all the way back
0: to Bush. Absolutely. You can say that, but at, you know, by the time 2008 rolls around, we've already been in Iraq. That decision already got made. And how do you deal with it best moving forward? McCain presented one ideology. Obama presented another Obama won, it went his way, and we got ISIS. Now, who's to say that, you know, all the sectarian violence and everything that, you know, would we still be in Iraq? Would we still be fighting this battle even more so? You know, who knows? Uh, it, maybe it would have gone terribly with McCain's idea. But I I, I I, don't think you can call him being a sore loser for simply pointing out that, hey, look, this is what happened.
1: Uh, He's been a sore loser for years. He, <laughs> he's been going after. Obama I, no, I can't necessarily argue that, that because he, he was after. kind of a sore
0: loser. I think you can. I think you can say that in general he's no. been a sore loser. And but on that a one, massive I'm not
1: sure. turn to the right to get reelected in 2010, he's probably going to try did. to make a massive turn to the right to get reelected now when he really should just retire.
0: Well, I don't know if he's going to do that, but he did. Well, he did wow. be a. So he did. He did. He was a sore loser. Okay. I mean, so okay, but then you brought up the whole NATO thing. Right? right? Because this is something we've all leaped on for Trump. Oh, he's not going to back NATO. Well, what Trump has said is that he expects NATO allies to step up and make the armed forces 2% of their GDP as, as they have been supposed to be doing. Now, every Secretary of Defense for the last 12 years has been complaining about our NATO allies not putting in putting their chips in the game. And now all Trump is doing is saying, look, we've been trying to get you guys to do this. If you're not going to do it, then by God, there's going to be consequences. Because we're done for paying for the defense of the entire world. We're done. So start paying now, or if the Russians invade, we may not be prepared to support you if you haven't been helping out the way you're supposed to.
1: Well... That's all well and good and perfectly fine but here's the thing and this is one that again the Republicans love to push on this and, they, and and Trump loves to push on this. Obama is Putin's dream and I'll be tough on Putin and I think everybody's gonna just listen to me because I've got the big balls in the game and you know and Obama's just a big old weakling and yada 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 yada. Putin has been running around, sort of uh, pissing on fire hydrants, and and not really, you know. I mean, I mean, he's been kind of egging people on and doing the "I'm not touching you" thing a little bit, and and for the last few years, and and it's it's a little interesting. But one of the reasons that he doesn't go pull all of this is because ultimately he knows where the line is, and Trump loves to go telling people that we we we're, we're not see we're not surprising enough nothing we do surprises anybody uh and so we need to play things more closer to our chest well he basically went out there with this statement in the last week or so over the last week of we're not necessarily going to defend our nato allies and you're tying that to his financial support policy so what you're, what he's saying, and by tying those two together, is that if Germany doesn't announce, for example, that they're going to start paying their, you know, two percent of the GDP or whatever to NATO, then he goes and attacks Germany because he knows that Germany hasn't paid their two percent GDP. And Trump said, "Well, we're not going to defend them anymore." I mean, aren't you basically giving Putin a license to do whatever he wants?
0: Well, a Trump because didn't he knows say,
1: we're not going to do anything.
0: A Trump didn't say we he would not for certain. He just presented that as a possibility as a way of trying to push our NATO allies to upping their ante.
1: No, I don't, I don't think you can do that any more than you can say, well, they they get on, they get on Obama about, you know, he's not blatantly supporting Israel. Obama has never come right out and said that we wouldn't defend Israel or that we don't want to support Israel. He's always made it clear that if, if Israel were attacked, we would see it as an attack on us as well. And, um, I think if you're going to treat Israel that way, then you abs and Trump has, has, effectively said the same thing because, you know, you can't, God forbid you say anything anti-Israel anywhere. Uh, then if you're going to take that tack with Israel, then you have to take that tack with, with Europe effectively with NATO, uh, with regards to everybody in Europe, that's not Russia. Um, because we're not going to kind of stand for that sort of thing. Right. You know, and that's that these are just lines that have been drawn that are good lines. You talk all the time about globalization, about working together, and that includes financially and it includes militarily as well. This is one of those things that has worked to contain the Russians since uh, during the Cold War and in the years since. And it's going and it can continue to work. But, you know, you can't just go out and draw those lines in the sand. There have got to be other ways to put pressure on these people to contribute their share of the GDP. I don't know what those are, but there has to be a better way to do it. Um, well,
0: they've been supposedly putting pressure on them for over a decade, and it hasn't seen results. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I can get where he's coming from.
1: I get where he's you coming know. from in the anger, but I don't know that I see another way of doing it because, again, you've got, you know, the big red dog hanging out, and and, and it's in Putin's hands who we all know is crazy. So if there were someone a little more reasonable potentially in power, then maybe I could see that. But you've got a wild card like Putin right now and I don't think you can put those things out there when you have that kind of wild card sitting there. I I just don't. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a wise thing to do at the moment. Maybe Putin leaves we get somebody else, okay, you know, you put that out there. But right now, you know, it's they talk so much about how the world is a scary place. So you've got to find if that's the case and you need to find things that are steady and you're taking one of these things that has been steady for decades and you want to destabilize that one now as well. When you say all this other stuff is just an absolute disaster. I don't know. Talk to me about. So before before we go on with 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 those things, what what, generally did the tone bother you? I mean, on, on the whole of of this whole thing this idea of overall the net, the, the the lack of focus on anything policy wise and where did this sudden focus on crime come that's the other thing that confuses me it's not in the platform really that i could find and but this is a big deal all throughout the the convention and by every measurable statistic that i've seen crime is at historic lows there was a moderate very tiny uptick in 2015 but compared to where it hit, where it was 10 15 years ago we it, it is nowhere close and this isn't even something that the bulk of voters say is important to them in this year but that was a big thing we're again we're just totally screwed right now there's you know there's dogs and cats living together in mass hysteria it's i, I don't know where, where where did that come from
0: well, I, I I think the there is some evidence that um, you know homicides uh, homicides are up. I mean, Wall Street Post has an article talking about how homicides have gone up in um, many of the in many of our larger cities. But I mean, I, I think the obvious place that it comes from is from the recent violence. I mean, that's where you look at whether it's the number of mass shootings or if it's the uh the recent riot not riots, the recent protests and more specifically the, the death of police officers. Um I think that's where it comes from. Now I don't have a defense against the idea that he's playing on people's fears because I, I think that he is. I, I think that there is definitely some amount of playing on fears rather than really looking at if crime in general as a whole are um has gone up i I don't think that's necessarily true i think overall violent crime has fallen and that's what uh but he's not pointing that out he's just he's latching on to some instances and the fact that homicides are experiencing a surge at this particular moment in some cities and Trying to create a picture in which you know all of America is in chaos and there's these massive leaps in crime, which I, I don't agree with. I disagree with that idea.
1: I don't really think anybody anybody does agree with it. But I, I, but it wasn't just him. I mean, and Giuliani did it. Uh, Chris Christie did it. You know, um, I don't know. There are a couple of things that I do want to debunk, though. Want you because you brought up the protests and the violence, the the tone leading up to the convention. You would have thought that this was going to be this massive sort of 1968 Chicago-style riot going into this one or next week's. From every measure that I read, if you looked at—I I, I read articles and listened to some podcasts of, of people that were actually there. They all said that it was very—the people that were there and not associated with the major news media who were taking very close-up— pictures of people shouting and screaming and holding up signs and making it all seem very dramatic when, frankly, most of the smaller outlets that I I read said that most of the protests that you saw outside were very quiet. There were only about 20, 30, 40 people in each group where they had one thing that spun out of control because some dipshit set a flag on fire in the midst of a bunch of people and it got some people hurt because he's an idiot. You don't get into a group of people and set something on fire. It's just not a smart thing to do. I don't care if it's a flag or a blanket. Either way, it's not wise. Uh, and they, but they got that one tamped down pretty quick. Um, it was, it was like a convention and generally a fairly decent atmosphere. The other, the thing, the other things that I want to say, so whatever, whatever you saw on the media and particularly CNN with all the images was probably crap about it seeming really crazy. Cause everything I read said that it was not everything I read again from smaller news outlets said that it was not like that at all. And it's a Cleveland Uh, The city of Cleveland and the Cleveland Police Force did a fantastic job uh, keeping things quiet. Uh, The other thing is the viewership. One, it was really interesting to see some shots, particularly during major speakers, when the convention hall was half empty. So the attendance really didn't seem to be what they were hoping it would be. Uh, And also Trump was running around touting the overall viewership for the thing as being the best ever which is an absolute load. He barely caught Romney's speech in 2012 with viewership and was way lower than McCain's in 2008. McCain got about 40 million people. He only got about 30 million. So he only got about three quarters of the viewership that McCain got eight years ago. So just saying, Uh,
0: yeah, well, and that's the other, that's the, that's the other difficult thing about Trump is, he's he's he appears to be lying a lot of the time with the well, statistics I didn't says, notice. <laughs> with the statistics that he throws out there the things they say right out of town and so you can't you listen to a speech and you go okay well wow well goodness okay and then you get online and you fact check and go oh all right, well that's not it. Like that's not
1: that's <laughs> not know. how it is
0: at all. And and but you can <laughs> see where people get confused because they're they're listening to this and thinking, Oh gosh. But then I know, right? They're, you're, they're right not, you're like, oh
1: heavens. Oh, yeah, my.
0: but then they're not they're not fact checking. So that right. that definitely is an issue. But I, I think that there it is interesting that a lot of the things that Trump's put forth I feel like are in line with a number of the things that the Democrats are pushing. Uh, You can look again in his speech when he starts to talk about fair trade and he talks about enforcing the rules that are in place uh, with our with our trading partners and on negotiating deals that protect American interests. I mean, it's it's like something straight out of the Democratic platform. It is?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. You're right. So what do you it's think? So why
0: so why don't you love it? <laughs> like so what do you well, think? Because you, you have know?
1: to well you have to look at the source in that case, right? I mean, you've got to you know, you've got because I mean, yeah, you, you know what Trump has been you talk about you talk about waffling. I don't even know that it's waffling. I appreciate it. there was something that he said. Uh People have accused Hillary Clinton of waffling on certain things over the years. And and they accused Trump of the same thing because he said this, you know, back in this one thing back in 1994, you know, about some issue or whatever. And it's contrary to what he said now is that, you know, you're dealing with people in Hillary Clinton's case. She's pushing 70 and Trump is 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 70 you know you're asking how they what what they thought 20 30 40 years ago it, it, you know it, it, you evolve as a person things change yeah. you know when you've been in the public eye that long of course your views are going to alter a little bit you know or you know you have hindsight to look on you know i think if you asked hillary clinton now of course you know 14 years later she's going to tell you that her iraq war vote was probably not the best move but you know hindsight's <laughs> always hindsight's <laughs> always 2020 yeah um no, and, and 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 Trump has aligned himself as a Democrat. So if you you know if you look at that and he's saying Democratic things, well, then, of course you're looking at someone who's saying Democratic things in Trump and someone who's saying Democratic things in Hillary and going, okay, well, which of these two people do I think is a better human being? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, uh, well, I find Trump to be disgusting, and and it, it's it's interesting that I I saw something I'm going to talk about a little bit later, but was pointing out about. Uh, Some of the hypocrisies in Fox News' coverage of Obama versus how they're covering Trump. And they have have referred to Obama over the last eight years as thin-skinned, narcissistic, and inexperienced. And Trump is, huh, thin-skinned, narcissistic, and inexperienced. (laughs) Man, I got to take
0: exception to the idea that Obama is thin-skinned. I know right (laughs) that that dude's got about the thickest skin of any politician I can think of I mean he has had a very few rare moments in which his frustration seems to have really come out but it is pretty pretty rare so that's yeah that's pretty rich I can't I can't believe that
1: isn't it though I mean something about him yeah, especially now
0: with, with Trump, who obviously is is fairly thin skinned uh, and and may, terribly makes inexperienced like he does and it.
1: terribly narcissistic.
0: Well, now the experience thing we're we're going to come back with he has a different kind of experience, right? You know, we're we're wanting to elect a, a CEO in chief, right? And so we're going to say that Trump is the CEO. He knows how to do these things, um, and this is just another company. Oh, so. Okay. That that's going to be our argument there. Now, and, and one thing that is definitely worth pointing out, because I, obviously, you know, you know, me, I'm, I'm very pro free trade, pro globalization. So I'm I'm going to take great exception to the the attempts by Trump and other members of our party to blame Clinton for NAFTA and blame Clinton for the repeal of the Glass-Steagall Act. Um, these were Republican ideas, you know, NAFTA is the, the brainchild of Reagan culminated by Bush and then passed under Clinton. Um, and the Glass-Steagall Act, that is the work of the 96th Congress, um, uh, led under Newt Gingrich. So, I mean, these are, these are Republican ideas that Clinton happened to go along with because he was a fairly center left Democrat. So Yeah,
1: yeah. Well but I mean it was but it was that was that was in the spirit of a lot of the cooperation that you saw throughout the you know the the late eighties and, and early to mid nineties, you know. Um that was was the ability to get things done long term that we that are or were considered to be good Uh, you know, good for the country, you know, so that you could have something that would develop over five, six, seven, eight years um, and then, you know, still be enacted because these things take time, you know, it's hard to get them done in the course of one person's, uh, you know, presidential term, especially if you have a president who's starting something late in the game, uh, you know, in his second term. So, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the, the, the platform is that's one of the, the things that we've been wanting to hit on the Republican platform itself. So was there more about Trump's Trump's ideas versus what's in the GOP platform that you wanted to talk to me about, or there was
0: one that's in direct opposition, right? So Trump at one point in his speech said that he didn't want any more malt, these big trade deals with large groups of countries and that he wanted individual trade deals with individual countries. And you have to juxtapose that against what they say what we what we say in our platform. We envision a worldwide multilateral agreement among nations committed to the principles of open markets, what has been called a Reagan economic zone in which free trades will truly be fair trade for all concerned. So you see that fair trade word pop up in our platform as well. Uh, But so you've got this idea on our platform where we should be having these large multilateral agreements like the TPP, like NAFTA. But then you've got Trump saying the exact opposite. So what do we believe in? Which one is it?
1: I don't know. I mean, that's ultimately the problem that the the party itself (coughs) is going to have to deal with. You know, who do you believe? Because the platform is really effectively meant to guide uh, everybody for the next four years. You know, I think everybody I think I think people tend to tie party conventions to presidential elections and they do happen to go down on presidential election years. But they're they're basically gatherings that happen every four years to reassess and decide on the direction that the party is going to go. And that affects everybody from their presidential candidates all the way down to at the state level, you know, just Mm -hmm. the basic tenets of where the party stands and the, the person who epitomizes those is supposed to be that year's presidential nominee. Right. Right. And the problem is that the Republicans have is that you have a presidential nominee who is over here really sort of in his own little world. Uh, And then you have the party, which is in very many ways doing something totally different, which Mm -hmm. is why you had to me so many speakers coming out and not talking about policy things or even the standard bearer. They were talking about how bad they think the Democrats are in hopes that they can walk that line of not endorsing, but still ensuring that Hillary Clinton loses. Yeah. So in a way I get what they were doing, but I also think that it was in part sort of disgusting because it had a mob sort of mentality and it leads to all these people making these stupid statements about treason and shooting and hanging and whatever that are just counterproductive.
0: Mm -hmm. Another, another one that you can see Trump has said, and this is where the Democrats lied a little bit in their, I don't know if they lied, but presented in a not accurate light Trump's stance on Social Security, which that was one thing I found interesting. I wasn't expecting in a party platform for them to name, to to specifically name the other candidate for president. Like I know our platform talks about the current administration, but um, I, I was so uh, no, no, they I, talk I, about
1: Obama specifically a lot. Right,
0: yeah. Obama. Right, Obama. But they. It, it just surprised me. I'm not going to say it was a bad thing. It just surprised me that a platform would specifically talk about Trump because they don't just say Republicans. They say Trump has called for this.
1: Well, but they may, um, they may they may, have to, as you just rightly pointed out, because Trump may be talking about one thing, and the party may be talking about something else.
0: This is fair. So in, that, in this one, they were talking about Trump's view on, on like Social Security, and that's a place where I think you do see a definite rift between what Trump is saying and what the Republican Party says. Trump has said said specifically in the um, Republican primary debates that he would not change anything about Social Security, that Social Security would be fine because of all the economic growth that would come into play once he's elected. Whereas we say in our platform, while current retirees and those close to retirement can be assured of their benefits— this what we always stress, and, and Democrats tend to try to play it as if we're attacking old people and what's going, what you know, their immediate benefits. Um, of the reforms being proposed, all options should be considered to preserve Social Security. So I mean, we we believe as a party, that things have to change for Social Security and we're open to all options. Now, it is funny because right after they say, uh, right after we say all options should be considered, they say we oppose tax increases. So apparently not all options are on the table, uh, which I'm glad. I don't think there should be tax increases for Social Security. But um, I did find that amusing that they phrased it like that. But there again, though, we see a difference between what Trump says and what the Republican Party says
1: very true. Um, a lot of the other things that I read in the, in the platform itself, uh, some of, a lot of it was fairly standard Republican things, anti-abortion, uh, you know, uh, just not terribly clear on what they want to do with, uh, with, uh, LGBT rights and, and, you know, uh, repealing a lot of the social reforms that have been out there. um, you know, lately and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And they didn't really, I didn't really, again, very little specifically, uh, from a healthcare standpoint. One of the things that I, I that caught my eye was this idea of, of value added taxes. There was a line specifically that said any value added tax must be tied to a repeal of the 16th amendment, which of course includes the federal income tax. So, now I had never I thought that was really interesting. I, I had never heard the idea of entirely repealing the federal income tax. I mean that was all preceded by a lot of uh, sort of vague uh, fix the tax code crap that uh, you know you hear from both parties. It's, it's fairly it's fairly normal. but um, well, I mean, it's, it's a general thing that they both say. Republicans and Democrats have both been saying that my entire adult life. Well, we need to fix the tax code. The, the tax code is bad. It's it's terribly unclear, and, and, and there's a lot all these loopholes. We're going to close the loopholes and fix the tax code. We're going to close the loopholes and fix the tax code. Fix the tax code and close the loopholes. I've been hearing this in every election from every side for, like, 20 years now, and it's never been done. So it, it, it just seems like, you know, in in the Republican platform, you're going to see that they oppose abortion and they want to close the loopholes and fix the tax code. And in the Democratic platform, it's going to include that they're pro-choice and, and they want to close the loopholes and fix the tax code. All of these things are just standard and probably don't mean anything. So but I was I was interested in that one line about the value added tax in the 16th Amendment. Is that actually a, like they, I've never heard anybody say that they really wanted to repeal that, that amendment? That's interesting. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm not they, necessarily
1: opposed to it. I'd just like to hear more about it.
0: Well, they're not saying that that should be repealed, right? They're not saying that we need to repeal the federal income tax. What they're saying is that we have to prevent any form of hyper taxation. So. If you want to, and because some people do support this, I, I don't personally, if you want to have some sort of value added tax, or if you want to switch to a national sales tax system, you must get rid of the federal income tax. We cannot do both. So they're not saying which one we should do, but they're saying you can't do both. That's what, that's what they're trying to get across.
1: Okay. Well, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, now
0: I, I would, now I definitely want to take exception to what you said about that, you know, when it came to healthcare and such that we were vague, uh, they actually have some fairly specific things, especially in regards to, to Medicaid and Medicare, Uh, you know, they say we don't want to propose any changes for persons 55 or older, but they want to give others the option of traditional Medicare or transitioning to a premium supported model designed to strengthen patient choice and promote cost saving competition among providers. Uh, they do specifically say that they want to set a more realistic age for retirement, uh, that they want to switch to block granting Medicaid, um, so I, I do think that we do have some fairly specific things about healthcare. care. Uh, they talk about that they want to uh, repeal the 1945 McCarrick and uh, Ferguson Act, which protects insurance companies from antitrust litigation. So that's that's cool. That's good um, competition. Always important. And that they want to increase uh, health savings accounts and health
1: reimbursements accounts. And again, they talk about repealing Obamacare. Right, here we go. Any honest agenda for improving health care must start with the repeal of the dishonestly named Affordable Care Act of 2010. 2010. Well, well,
0: and you may not like it, it, but that's real specific.
1: I, where? I But that, repealing Obamacare
0: is very specific. That is a very okay, clear yes, thing. I'm aware, but they
1: still don't put together a bill, and it's all very, we want to drop this, and, and improve competition, and Uh, allow the opening of of, uh, state lines and returning regulatory uh, issues to the states and ensuring competition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but, uh, you know, and advancing research and, um, uh, you know, things like that, but you you can't just drop this. We're going to, if you want to repeal the bill, fine, but you've got to deal with some of the things that are out there, that repeal the consequences of repealing the bill and they don't want to address those they just want to use it as a talking point of saying we're going to repeal obamacare i don't i don't think that you've been talking about it for eight years you've never done it that i don't
0: think that that's accurate anymore i will admit that there was a six-year gulf right after obamacare got passed in which you didn't see specific bills but we have now put there has been two specific healthcare bills put together by the Republicans as an alternative to Obamacare. And now you've also got the Better Way, which while not a complete bill, does lay out some specific policy guidelines for a new healthcare system.
1: Have and they worked with anyone else on you've news, got the are fact there serious that Serious things that they can put forward in actual bills where they're doing what they accused the president of not doing, which was working with people on both sides of the aisles and trying to genuinely improve the system. I haven't seen that yet, and when I see it, then I'll give them credit for it. But Well, so right
0: now no it. Democrat is gonna sit down and work up a re- Obama replacement bill with us. No Democrat's going to sit down and do that with us because Obama, the, the Democrat, is the president. So now uh, uh, Trump, had, Trump has specifically said that we would need to work with both parties in putting together a new bill. He has specifically said that. But correct. I mean, the, two, the, the bill that we put forth that was the Obama replacement bill, right. There was no Democratic signee on that. Uh, I
1: mean, but I, I
0: think that that's probably more because no Democrat in their right mind would sign on to it, and I don't blame them for that. That's perfectly reasonable. Um, now we had we had health care bills in place at the time that we were going through the whole Obamacare debate of how to go about this. And their willingness to work across the aisle was on the other foot. The Democrats were not willing to work with us because they didn't need us so they could just ramrod through their health code bill
1: uh, all, all all very nice and all in the past I right now what I'm worried about is right now what's going on and what else do they want to do and well uh, and we've I've been given hearing you, this ever uh, since we've the given AC, you ever a, ever a number of options now we've ever said since this the ACA I have been hearing nothing but talk and finally now they're starting to put some some specifics forward about things that they want to do. I I but it's only been in the last few weeks. I mean Ooh. it hasn't actually been. No, not true.
0: Within the last year and a half, we we we, we put forth a bill for a replacement of Obamacare.
1: Who put one pat who put who put a genuine genuine bill in in place other than other than Ryan's Better Way thing?
0: There was a bill and I think it was 2000 14 or so that they put forth, that the Republicans put forth a bill.
1: Did they try to, uh, did it, did it, did it even pass? I mean, the it, no,
0: I mean, it didn't, it didn't make it to the floor, or Anything, like that, but we put together well, a bill on, for that's it. That's
1: not actually putting, well, forth. That's they, they, they didn't uh, even get on the floor no, to pass the like You're vote? saying you want a Republican the ideas.
0: House. You're saying you wanted Republican ideas. You wanted to see the bill totally put together. Well, we did one. We
1: did. We and put you couldn't work, even put, bring it to a vote when they had the floor, the entire floor. They got the entire house on their side. They couldn't get enough people to bring it to a vote. I answered
0: your question already. You said <laughs> okay. that you wanted. I, you said I, I. told you we did exactly what you wanted, and you keep on changing and adjusting. So I mean, I, I can't not changing. And I, I can't. I want to see. I, these I can't. Genu- but when I going. say
1: genuinely proposed, I don't mean somebody thought up something and held a press conference. I mean that things genuinely came in and were actually put up for a vote. And sent to the president's desk, sent to the Senate, moved on through the process. Getting something proposed in a committee or talked about with the the White House press corps or the Capitol press corps is is not the same thing as proposing. We got to move on. We've been talking about Republicans and stuff for a long time. Uh, we're gonna, you know, we, well, well just... I do want
0: to point out there are some other interesting things in our in our platform. One. A national platform has repeatedly induced term limits for members of Congress.
1: Oh, I missed that
0: one. So I that, think we can all agree on there? that one. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Damn right.
0: So I, I think well, that's good for them on that. That's good and that's and that, You know what?
1: And they also proposed a balanced budget amendment. I did notice that too.
0: Yeah. Uh, we put forth another big thing for for healthcare is the the whole idea of uh, price transparencies. so that consumers know the cost of treatments before they agree to them, which I think we can both agree is huge and a yes. major thing that needs to be addressed. Uh, they specifically talk about the importance of breaking, of getting rid of the tax breaks for businesses for, for supplying health insurance, which we've talked about multiple times as being what I see as the cardinal sin of our healthcare system and one of the number one things that Obamacare did not address, and in fact it doubled down on, tying your health care to your job which I think is is a very, very bad thing. We did talk, and we also, we also have in there the fight for school choice. We will always be for tax vouchers and allowing parents to choose where their child goes to school regardless of their zip code, which I think, I, I don't understand how Democrats can be against that. If our whole idea is that we want to get people out of poverty, want to give them a chance, then we have to give kids who live in poor neighborhoods the chance to get out of the schools that are in the, the poor schools that are in their neighborhoods and go to the better schools.
1: Then why are you not? Because part there are two pro, Lord. You know what? We're not even going to get to t- get to the Democrats tonight. So here we go. The the two pr- reasons that I I that I I disagree with the voucher system is that you are I don't see how the voucher system is actually cheaper. If you're going to pay, use public money to pay to send people to private schools, then doesn't that just give private schools carte blanche to keep jacking up their prices? Because they know that you've got two kinds of students. You've got the students that the, the government's footing the bill for, and they're on the hook for because they don't have any of their own schools. So, And then they've got people that are going to be paying that can afford whatever, and they're going to send... Uh, their kids to those schools anyway, so it doesn't matter how much they cost. And the place where the people that are going to get squeezed are the ones in the middle, the ones like you and me, whose families could barely afford to send them to private schools but did it anyway.
0: No, no, no. you're confusing tax vouchers for Hillary Clinton's plan for higher education. The R with tax vouchers, we're not giving a carte blanche saying we're going to pay for tuition no matter what. Tax vouchers, you set an amount. We will pay for eight thousand dollars. Done. That's it. And so this forces the private schools to keep their costs low, so that families can continue to afford them using the, the tax vouchers. That's the big issue. Is that now, and uh, now uh, we're dealing with fifty states here, right? So there is a enormous difference between what this state pays the average cost of what it costs to put a kid through public school in this state versus the average cost in this state. Right. But there are certain, it is almost across the board that it is more expensive. It costs more money to put a kid through public school than it does to put them through the, an average private school.
1: Then why aren't they finding ways to, why aren't they finding better ways to educate students in the public school. system, you're talking about the death of the public school system in the long run. Absolutely. Because you're going to end. No. And I do not agree with that, Tim. I'm sorry. I don't. I think that public schools are a cornerstone of what this nation was built on. And I also believe very much that you're just, you're going to wind up concentrating schools in different areas. What's wrong with helping helping kids go to schools in their own neighborhoods. You know, you're acting as though because, you know, and why not take that money that you're putting into private schools and use it to improve the public schools.
0: Because the government and the people in charge of the public schools waste the money, they don't spend it well, it's overregulated, bureaucracized, dumped into pension plans and tenures and all of these things that end up wasting the money. Because money's that's what I'm trying to get across. You money is the not the issue. Plan. Tons of money is getting dumped in the public schools, but they're bad systems. They do not handle the money well. They are not innovative. They are not creative. And that is why you give parents the choice through tax vouchers to send their kids to places where they're happy. Because with public schools, they've got a captive audience. Those students can't go anywhere. They're locked into that zip code. There's nothing they can do. They don't have to get innovated in order to keep students.
1: And why don't you give students the choice to move between public schools?
0: agreed that would be lovely why don't they why don't
1: why don't you then why don't you do that why don't they absolutely why don't they
0: i agree yes do that that would be a great way to insert some competition into the public school system that would be fantastic
1: that alone is fine with me but you can't just because if you do that then that might encourage the schools to improve and try to find ways to maneuver money around. But just because the system's broken doesn't mean that you give up on the system and just say, to hell with it, we're going to close everything down. You guys fucked it up, so now we just got to shut it all off and give everything over to the private uh, to the private sector. No, I do not believe that that is the perfect way to go about it. If you want to establish other... I mean, I'm not saying that you can't have any vouchers, but to go exclusively to that is just wrong-headed. Because you're going to add all of these other factors into things, all of a sudden you've got to bus a student across town because his neighborhood school closed. So now he's got to spend an hour a day on a bus going back and forth to get to the school that he's in, and he's losing time. And then you're uh, you're putting them into in, in areas where they don't live, so that they're uh, you know it's just it's 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 just it's it, you're asking for a mess. If you try to go exclusively that way and try to shut down the public school system because of the corrupt pension funds and how nobody knows how to spend money and there's no innovation and in all of this stuff. Don't tell me to put all of my trust in corporations. And you don't in private have to. Sector all I'm asking for is for tax vouchers,
0: right? But I think that what would happen is what you said, the end of the public school system, because if you did tax vouchers, then parents would want to send their kids to other schools. And you know what? Fine. If you don't want the public school system to end, then make the schools better so that parents choose to go there instead of to the private schools. Well,
1: then you you know so much. Give me some proposals about how to fix the public school system instead of just giving up on it.
0: We, I mean, we give lots of those. So one is what you said, right? You can... You can allow students to go to the school of their choice. Charter schools are good. Uh, Merit-based pay is good. Cutting back on the national testing is good. Giving more power to the teachers. The national
1: testing system is crap. Agreed. I'm right behind you with that. All right.
0: Well, good. I'm glad we agree. Sorry, right. now we can move on to the Democrats. There was just some things in. Now, oh, and which we now, have.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, you have more. Well, what, what a
0: negative thing. Well, we did put into our, our platform, unfortunately, that we want a massive Southern wall. That is now, Trump's wall is now a part of our party platform.
1: Got to keep the brown people restricted, man. Well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're
1: taking over, can't you tell?
0: I mean, there's... I mean, if anything, we should be protecting ourselves from the Canadians, right? I mean, obviously, they're the crazy ones.
1: I know. Have you been to Toronto? Right. God, nobody locks their doors.
0: Stupid, stupid leaf.
1: What the hell is a Blue Jay anyway? It's not a flag. (sighs) They don't play baseball. Hmm. (sighs) Whatever. All right. Well, now that we've given the Republicans 50 minutes, we can give five to the Democrats, who did happen to choose a vice presidential candidate this week uh, in Tim Kaine. Um, Thoughts on Tim Kaine?
0: Ah, seems like a nice enough guy. I mean, he's, yeah, I I like Tim Kaine. I think, and she did exactly what I said she should do, which was not pick some clazy liberal because you don't need to motivate your base anymore because your base is already motivated because we nominated Trump. So pick a center-left politician, and that's what she did. So excited for that. And while he's not a pro-life Democrat uh, by name anymore, he certainly is less... Pro choice, so I'm happy about that.
1: I don't know. I honestly, man, I think you read between the lines, I think he's pro life. I, but I think that he, he is just honestly, I th- he's doing what I want done, which is trying to fight the abortion battle on a different front. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which I, which I appreciate. I don't think that you can, I, because I think I've said this before, I don't think that you can tell a woman what to do, but I think that you can try to, uh, if, if you have some kind of moral objection to abortions, then you can try to figure out why people have abortions and what the social conditions that lead to those are and try to not restrict access, but try to help people find alternatives. And I mm-hmm. like everything that he has to say about that. His views on abortion are very much in line with my own. And I I am I am thrilled with it. Awesome. I love I, I love I love him because i i think he's exactly what she needed i think he's borderline bulletproof uh and i i think he just is it is a reassuring presence and i loved loved what he did uh during the uh gun filibuster uh during or after just recently after orlando um he just had some amazing things to say and I thought he was a great speaker. And I just, you know, I, I was actually, everybody talks about him like he's a boring pick and, and, you know, there's a few sort of progressive millennial morons out there that are going, Hey, we got another old white guy. How boring is this? And then you, know, how are we going to break any more barriers? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because there's a woman on the ticket. That's how we're breaking barriers. You morons. Um, and, uh, you know, but I think he's exactly he's he's not okay. Maybe he's not sexy, but you know, I I I think I think he's a great pick. I think he's a good politician. I think he's he's very well liked in an important state, and it's a good call. Agreed. So uh, you know, um, that's I don't know as far as Tim Tim Kaine goes. That's really all I got. Very quickly, who is your round of applause this week?
0: Ivanka Trump. Uh, I listened to her speech introducing her father. It was. Startling how different her speech was from his Uh, all the things she touched on regarding equal pay and and taking care and helping people with with daycare and making sure that people had, you know, working women had the opportunity to work. I, I thought it was fantastic and very in line with a lot of my thoughts on. Uh, the importance of childcare and what a boon this can be for, for our economy. Um, so a a big giant round of applause to her. I I liked her a lot. She she should run.
1: (laughs) Get rid of her dad. I read that. that in several places. People, there was actually a guy who titled an article that said they nominated the wrong Trump. Uh, and was pointing to like Junior's speech, and I think Eric's they said was pretty good. And, and Ivanka, of course, it was widely, Ivanka was pretty widely praised, I think, for hers. That was that, that's not your, your point of view is not uncommon. I didn't watch it. By the time Ivanka got to speak, I, I was just done watching Trump's talk about their dad or their husband and Melania. You know, there's something we didn't touch on Melania's uh, Melania's little plagiarism
0: scandal and of all the people to plagiarize you know i mean here you I guys know, are michelle
1: right bashing <laughs> the obamas really nonstop,
0: hate? and then you plagiarize her speech like i mean it was a it was a great speech so i guess sure plagiarize away but i mean kind of hypocritical
1: yeah well the i you know i don't i didn't actually care it, it you know it, it happens people more probably more often than you think. I didn't think it was was that big a deal, but the the idea that when they figured it out, you know, you've just got to kind of go, well, you got us, and not go with, oh, it wasn't really wasn't really plagiarized, or you know, when somebody was able to take it, put it into one of those uh, things that teachers use, those websites that turn like Turnitin.com that tell you whether or not a paper mm-hmm. professors use it to find out whether or not papers were uh, plagiarized. And it came up as plagiarized like one in one trillion or something on that website saying that it was definitely plagiarized, but, or Christie with his, his moron, 93%, it's 93% of it was okay. So it's not really plagiarism.
0: Yeah. That's not accurate. You just teaching. wait for it.
1: Just wait for a student to try yeah. that
0: one. Do not be a teacher. Chris Christie. <laughs>
1: Don't be anything anymore, Chris Christie. Just go to Bruce Springsteen comments, concerts and eat M&Ms and go away. He's
0: your next U.S. in uh, General.
1: Oh no! Oh my God! He's so obnoxious. <laughs> uh, my round of applause actually goes to Ted Cruz, who I still hate and still never want to hear. Anything <laughs> Just to be him. clear. Just to be clear, yeah. I, I still think he's a he's a horrible weasel. But uh, I, you know what? It it took balls to go into that room where he went in that was so clearly this this honor trump rally and effectively not play ball i thought that just took rem- a, a, a tremendous amount of puts but and i got to give him credit for it so
0: <clears throat> amen agreed round of applause ted cruz
1: yeah so um we are we're overtime already? Uh, what do you mean wow. already? We've been at this for over an hour.
0: Sorry, <laughs> Evan. That's
1: why I kept trying to move on.
0: I'm sorry. You had kept saying that we weren't specific and I god dang it, we were specific. So, I'm sorry. We'll <laughs> I guess we'll democrat <laughs> it up next <laughs> we'll week. We will have
1: to talk about the democratic platform <laughs> during next week's show because we are effectively out of time. Uh, and we you want me doing better about making sure we stayed. in hour? Oh, absolutely. So, Good job. I'm sorry. There we go, yada yada yada. So, all right, have you have you anything more to say tonight, my friend?
0: No, no, I'm 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 enjoying the opportunity to look at platforms and such rather than just ridiculous speeches. So this oh, was nice,
1: man. Right. So anyway, all right. Well, we're gonna wrap it up with something cool tonight. Tonight it's mine. The other night, this is not this is not uplifting or anything, and I'm sorry if, if <laughs> this is not in in the in the spirit in the spirit of of everything. But you know what? During Stephen Colbert's show the other night, Jon Stewart took ten minutes to show up and do his daily show shtick on the Colbert show the other night. And it was amazing. It was the best thing that I have seen in ages. It was like it was like the liberal comedy god coming back for ten minutes. And you know, but and he looked you know, sort of haggard and bearded and and skinny and retired John Stewart, and it and it was it was just so much fun, and I laughed so hard and just unbelievably cool. And John, please come back. We really need you right now. We really, really do. John Oliver is great, but he's only around one night a week, and we just we miss you, buddy. It was nice to have you back for a little bit there, and it was tremendously cool. And if you didn't watch it, you should. Go watch it right now because it was... Suspense. I will go check so. this out. Oh, such good fun. All right, next week we'll talk about the Democrats platform and I'm certain we'll have things to say about their convention, which hopefully will be a little bit more uplifting than the one we just had to sit through. Uh, so, yes. In the meantime, please, again, check out our website, libcon.podbean.com. You can find us both on Twitter, Libcon Matt, Libcon Tim. Thank you so much for joining us and have an outstanding... Day. Thank right.